Welcome to A Crash Investigation, the podcast, the show we dissect all things A Crashes. I am your host, Zonaka Kimbale, and in our final episode of the season, we will be talking about the crashes of TWA Flight 2 and United Airlines Flight 718, the cruise, the whole crash, and the entire investigation. But before we continue, do not forget to follow us on the platform that you're listening to us on and subscribe to our YouTube channel called A Crash Investigation, the podcast. Now, without wasting any more of your time, let us get into it. It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Brian Gumbel. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. U.S. Airways plane loses power and then makes an emergency landing on the Hudson River. The mystery of Malaysian Airlines Flight 37, one of the largest and safest passenger jets ever made, simply disappears off the road. They're flying through, they saw flight level 100, which is 10,000 feet. I think that was a point where we went from, we have some time to figure this thing out to like, we might not be able to save us ourselves. Let's go over TWA Flight 2 first. TWA or Transworld Airlines Flight 2 was a scheduled flight for the 30th of June 1956. This flight was from Los Angeles International Airport or LAX, California, the United States, and TWA Flight 2's destination was Kansas City Downtown Airport or Charles B. Wheeler Downtown Airport, Missouri, the United States. The aeroplane used was the Lockheed L-1049 Super Constellation aircraft. The crew and passengers. The captain of the flight was Jack Gandhi, who was 41 years old at the time of the crash. The first officer was James Rittner, who was 31 years old at the time of the crash. And finally, there was a flight engineer named Forrest Berry Fogel, who was 37 years old. I could not find the flight hours of these pilots anywhere, and this includes the final report. There were 64 passengers on board and three flight attendants. United Airlines Flight 718 United Airlines Flight 718, or United Flight 718, was a scheduled flight for the 30th of June 1956. United Flight 718 was also from Los Angeles International Airport or LAX, California, the United States, and its destination was Chicago Midway International Airport, Illinois, the United States. The aircraft used was a Douglas Mainliner. The crew and passengers. The captain of this flight was 42-year-old Robert Bob Shelley. The first officer was 36-year-old Robert Harms, and the flight engineer was 39-year-old Gerard Fiore. Just like the crew of TWA Flight 2, I could not find the flight hours of this crew. There were 53 passengers on board and two flight attendants. The flights. So let's start with TWA Flight 2. TWA Flight 2 took off from LAX International Airport, already kind of frustrated because they were 31 minutes behind schedule. It was also cloudy that day, so this crew was instructed to fly under Instrument Flight Rules, or IFR. Instrument Flight Rules, according to ansperformance.eu, and I quote, are rules and regulations to govern flight under conditions in which flight by outside visual reference is not safe, end quote. 
This means that the pilots have to rely on their instruments heavily when there is bad weather and the pilots cannot use visual references. So TWA Flight 2 asked air traffic control to climb to 19,000 feet or 5,800 meters. Air traffic control accepted this request and Transworld Airlines Flight 2 climbed to an altitude of 19,000 feet or 5,800 meters. Air traffic control then instructed TWA Flight 2 to turn right to a heading of 059 towards Trinidad, Colorado. After Captain Gandhi did this, TWA Flight 2 was now in an uncontrolled airspace. Now it is time for United Airlines Flight 718. United Flight 718 took off from LAX International Airport. Since it was cloudy that day, the crew of United Flight 718 was also instructed to fly under Instrument Flight Rules or IFR. The crew of United Flight 718 were instructed to climb to an altitude of 21,000 feet or 6,400 meters and to turn left towards Needles, California. Then, United Airlines Flight 718's flight path indicated that they were supposed to be heading to Durango, Colorado. This was all done and just like the Super Constellation, United Flight 718 was in the uncontrolled airspace. At the time of this flight, the time being the 1950s, each airline had their own flight dispatcher. This means that United Airlines Flight 718 and Transworld Airlines Flight 2 had different dispatches, meaning that they were not in contact with each other. Red flag. Planes were also flying under the C and B scene rule. I'll explain as to why this is problematic. At this point, both flights were about to pass over the Grand Canyon and they, being TWA Flight 2 and United Flight 718, were flying at the same altitude. TWA Flight 2 and United Airlines Flight 718 did not see each other before impact. This is why I'm saying that the CNBC rule is incredibly bad in terms of like flying and all of that because the CNBC rule does not make any sense. It does not give clear instructions as to what you should do if you, as a pilot, do see another aeroplane really close to yours and all you have to do is just try and fly past them. Side note, they actually did change it. It is believed that the pilots of United Flight 718 only saw TWA Flight 2 seconds before the collision. So United Flight 718 banked hard to the right to try and avoid the other aeroplane, but this did not work. United Flight 718's left wing hit TWA's vertical stabilizer and tail structure as a whole, which caused it to rip off the aeroplane. The left propeller cut the belly of the Super Constellation aircraft. This immediately resulted in a vertical dive in terms of TWA Flight 2 at 480 miles per hour or 770 kilometers an hour. That is incredibly fast. Transworld Airlines Flight 2 crashed into the north slope of the Temple Butte in the Grand Canyon, instantly killing everyone on board. United Flight 718's wing was so badly damaged that it lost a lift and also crashed on the south side of the Grand Canyon, instantly killing everyone on board. The Investigation The people who were investigating the crash was the National Transportation Safety Board or NTSB. The main cause of the crash was, and I quote, that the pilots did not see each other in time to avoid the collision. 
It is not possible to determine why the pilots did not see each other, but the evidence suggests that it resulted from any one or combination of the following factors. Number one, visual limitations due to cockpit visibility. Number two, intervening clouds reducing time for visual separation. Number three, preoccupation with normal cockpit duties such as attempting to provide passengers with a more scenic view of the Grand Canyon area. Number four, psychological limits to human vision, reducing the time opportunity to see and avoid the other aircraft. I just do believe that number one and number four mean the same thing. And number five, insufficiency of en route air traffic advisory information due to an inadequacy of facilities and lack of personnel in air traffic control. The aftermath. So after this devastating crash, many, many, many changes were made, including improving air traffic control infrastructure, improving communication between different aircraft in the sky, and changing the C and B scene rule to the C and avoid rule. That one makes more sense. And that is the end of today's episode. I really do hope that you enjoyed. As I said before, this is our final episode of the season. So... I'll catch you within a week, within two weeks. I'm not really sure. But either way, thank you so much for listening. Do not forget to follow us on the platform that you're listening to us on. Subscribe to our YouTube channel called A Crash Investigation, the podcast. And yes, I really do hope that you have an amazing day and I'll catch you next time. Cheers.